Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Thursday arrives. I know. Luke looks a little murky, gloomy, and everything going on outside. I get that. And I hope your Thursday's going all right. Still a ways to go, right? To navigate the day. Good morning. And welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Al is out today, tomorrow, and Monday. Jeff will be back on Tuesday. So, you know, uh, we'll uh, manage through. We'll do that. We've got some things to get to on the program. Our producer, of course, is here. He would be Cameron Parker. How are you doing this morning, Cam? You're doing great, Craig. Uh, start of the area round for high school baseball tonight, so I'm gearing up for that. Well, good, because we're going to get a little preview from you coming up here. We're going to move our Flex 30 update up here in the program, and the reasons are uh, numerous. One is that, to get to a little preview of that. Also, I'm going to list the names of a select group of High school football outstanding scholar athletes who will be honored on Sunday at the National Football Foundation College Football Hall of Fame's uh, Austin chapter, our annual banquet that we have on the UT campus. And there's a collection of uh, of young men, and I, I know you will recognize several of the names, Cam. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, announce those. Names. Some of those were all flex uh, student athletes as well, and some of them are all state. and uh, And so we're gonna we're gonna uh, bring that up to you here in a few minutes. Also coming up on the program today, bottom of the hour, Texas men's tennis head coach Bruce Burke. We visited with Bruce back a few weeks ago uh, when they had ascended to the number one spot in the country. Uh, they're the number one overall seed. They cruised through the weekend in the first and second round, knocking out both Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Pepperdine. Now it's on to the Sweet 16, and they play the number 14 seed, North Carolina. So they're they're going to play them, and there might be a wrinkle or two thrown into it because of the weather, but we're going to visit with Bruce to talk about that coming up. We'll have Inconceivable 
a little later on this hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Glenn Davis, who you hear every week on Mondays on Soccer Matters here on the Horn, and then, of course, he, he drops in on with uh, Bucky and Aaron. Um, Glenn will join us, uh, and and it's cool that, that Glenn is on our station, and it's cool that that uh, he he pops on with Bucky and Aaron from time to time they have him on. The, the other thing, a lot of folks don't know that Glenn Davis and I worked together quite a bit back in the mid to late 90s doing soccer. We did some soccer, and we'll share some. One of them is a very bizarre story about a trip to Monterey, Mexico. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, let everybody hear that coming up. So that's going to be in the 11 o'clock hour. Also, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour in our second hour Longhorn Notebook, Bruce Burke will join us live for our first hour Longhorn Notebook. Our second hour Longhorn Notebook joining us live from Oklahoma City, Andrew Haynes, play-by-play voice of Texas softball. In case you didn't hear, softball's uh, quarterfinal game against Texas Tech, the Big 12 softball tournament is getting underway right now. The first match of the first game of the day is getting underway right now. Texas is scheduled to play Texas Tech at 12.30 this afternoon. You can hear it on 105.3 The Bat. But Andrew's going to join us uh, in the uh, bottom of next hour, a little preview for Texas and Texas Tech, and talk about Texas, what they're expecting from the national scene, as well as um, the, the Big 12 softball tournament is different from the baseball tournament in that it's single elimination. So lose once and you're done. And uh, we'll, we'll visit with uh, Andrew coming up in the uh, second hour as well. So we've got uh, a full plate uh, to uh, to get to as well, and um, uh, there's there's a lot uh, a lot of other things. First of all, uh, was it a late night for you watching uh, watching Lakers Warriors last night? Not too late. No, um, I know you're you're you kind of surprised me a little bit with your revelation yesterday when you said you weren't that big a Dallas Stars fan until it got to playoff time. Yeah. But yet you own a Tyler Sagan jersey. I do. So did you purchase that jersey when you were into your playoff mode? Was that the reason for that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think during the during the year with hockey, I mean, it's right around the time that high school football is starting to really ramp up for playoffs. So you have that. Texas football is obviously going on. You have basketball that's starting. Plus you have other things going on. So it's more of just like, eh, it's just, there's just too much to kind of – process so hockey's i you know how it is greg growing up in charlotte i mean the hurricanes when i grew up i mean you had the stall brothers but yeah. like it yeah. wasn't like the hurricanes were the the thing right so i didn't grow up in a big hockey area but as i got older i you know i started watching more and more hockey and rooting for the stars and stuff so it's not that i dislike hockey it's just there's a lot going on when hockey starts i don't really follow it too much until we get to the playoffs okay so right. I, I would say i'm a t-shirt fan 100 percent. yeah or in this case a jersey fan yeah just a jersey fan. uh what well, and and tell me if you agree with me on this because you, you grew up in charlotte but you 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 were in as a permanent resident in north carolina uh far more recently than myself i grew up there i graduated high school from there uh i go back uh, on vacation every summer, I go to the coast, and occasionally I'll make it up to Greensboro to my area. But I don't, uh, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time in North Carolina once I moved out to Texas, and that would have been in the uh, December of 1978. So I've uh, Texas has been my home. I've lived more of my life 
in the state of Texas than in the state of North Carolina. But I did grow up there. But I, I, I always remember there was city rivalry back in the day between Greensboro and Charlotte. Less of that now, I think, because the Raleigh-Durham area has, has really sprouted up. So I don't know how the rest of the state took to the Panthers. I can imagine they got on board with them being an NFL team. I I got the vibe that maybe they weren't as much down with the Hornets. And, of course, Shin was a terrible owner, and they moved them to New mm-hmm. Orleans. And they had all that crazy stuff uh, that happened. They ended up getting uh, the Bobcats as an expansion franchise where Michael Jordan was on, uh, you know, on the front line w- with that. And then they retained the uh, recovered the name Hornets uh, after New Orleans, uh, of course, uh, then took the Pelicans name. So all of that stuff happened. But and and then in, in the case of the Hurricanes, I know Greensboro was into them because they had them the first I think three years while they were building the the arena in Raleigh. But the vibe I get is that people in Charlotte probably don't pay that much attention to Raleigh and vice versa. Yeah. So therefore, maybe they're not as down with the Canes, I guess. That and I mean they don't even really pay attention to the Hornets, even even the Bobcats, because it's it's a banking city, Craig. So a lot of yes, people now have moved down there from New York or from the northern states, Michigan, Ohio. So it's just kind of a weird. You go to a Hornets game, and usually there's probably just as many visiting fans as there are home fans. It's it's a weird city for the Panthers. I think they get all the support, but even then, when they play teams like Dallas or the 49ers or the Rams or more of the 49ers it feels like there's more those fans versus just the home fans but I think that's just because of like more people have moved into Charlotte yeah. outside the state did you like the deal I sent you that somebody sent to me the TikTok thing about welcome to Charlotte moving to Charlotte the guy I didn't, I didn't get to see it oh I sent it to you and Jeff oh, okay. you, you got to take a look at that because it basically lampoons Charlotte is the guy's just sitting there opening up can after can of cheer wine, the soft drink for folks. I've talked about cheer wine before. I really like it, but I don't. Incredible. Uh, but and you miss it when you're not when you're yeah. when you're not around it. And you can get it like at Specs. You can get it at several of the places at an elevated price uh, now because it's an imported beverage. It's a soft drink. Cheer wine is not a, a wine. It's a. I've talked about this before. It's kind of a cherry. More of a cherry kind of cola version, but far more cherry than cola. And it's a, it's a soft drink uh, that was actually uh, developed in 1917 uh, with cherry syrup because um, the corn syrup and the other syrups that, were, or that, that you used to make soft drinks were being shipped overseas during World War I. So the guy who invented it came up with it, and he was in the state of North Carolina, uh, happened in Salisbury, and it caught on like wildfire. And it's just been a regional soda, kind of like how Big Red is down here. It's a regional soft drink. So in this video where they're making fun of this guy, he's somebody moves to Charlotte, and he's, tell me what's great about Charlotte. And he's like, oh, yeah, nothing really happens here. We're banking, and we're... You know, nobody really cares, and there's mediocrity. You know, the Panthers uh, build up your hopes and then completely dash them, and there's, you know, and, you know, it's all this kind of stuff, and he's just sitting there opening up can after can of cheer wine as he goes. It's so. spot on. Watching it right now, it's very spot on. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah I figured you'd enjoy it. The heat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the heat. And the heat. They say heat, you know, it's humidity in the summertime is brutal Ugh. there. So it is. It is. This past week here, Craig, I thought it was back in Charlotte with how humid it was. <laughs> it does. <laughs> One of the reasons why my dad moved to Texas in 1978 is he said, you can walk out in the summertime in North Carolina and you just step outside and you all of a sudden you feel it just popping up on you, the sweat, just from the humidity. So it does get like that. And I will tell you this, last June when the Longhorn baseball team was in Greenville 
And that's an even more humid area than, say, in the Charlotte area or the Piedmont Triad where where uh, Greensboro and uh, High Point Winston-Salem are, or even the Research Triangle uh, with Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill. You get out east of there about an hour and a half over there to Greenville, and it is just hot uh, there in uh, Pitt County over there Greenville. And uh, it was, and then, of course, you had all the rain that happened during the weekend. So it was like a sauna, a steam bath, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, it didn't affect the Longhorns in that final game when they had all the rain. They came out of the rain delay and put nine on the board yeah. early uh, against ECU and went on and won it. But uh, yeah, it's it can be it can be different. Uh, somebody said roasted peanuts and cheer wine is awesome. It, you know, you get that same response about Dr Pepper as well. Um, so uh, somebody was thanking Jeff for responding to his text at nine thirty last night. A lot of people have simply forgotten to respond. It heck, I even do it to friends sometimes. You really went above and beyond responding. We thank you for your time, and it's reasons like this I'll be a lifelong Horn listener. Thank you, and we'll uh, pass that along to Jeff since he's out uh, up until Tuesday. All right, uh, so we've got those things on board uh, to get to, but I, I want to jump into this because. It's going to take me a few minutes just to get to this because this is this is a really cool thing to uh, honor uh, area high school football players, scholar athlete uh, nominees. So then there's, uh, I believe, 32 of them there. So uh, let's get to our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay. Um, there are several student athletes nominated from the area. Now, the way this works, this is for the National Football Foundation, uh, the Austin chapter. And every year, and uh, this has been happening uh, going back uh, over, uh, I believe, uh, certainly over 25, 30 years. And there is, uh, every year, area schools, coaches nominate, uh, the high school football coaches nominate one, one player from that group. And the area schools are then uh, uh, these these are somebody said a flex ATX show. And the first part of the show is that legal. Hey, the immortal words of Darth Sidious, the Emperor Palpatine. I will make it legal. Um, the it, all of the area the football coaches are invited to send in one player nominated. So only one can be nominated by a coach from the area schools. Only one. So of that group, we have a group of 32, and those scholar-athletes will then be honored at a banquet. It'll be this Sunday. Uh, So we do that. And of that group of 32, there's another select group out of that who will receive additional scholarships, like $1,000 scholarships or $1,200 scholarships. I do not know who, because I I can tell you this, it hasn't been determined yet who those winners are. But I can tell you the names of those who've been invited to the banquet, the 32, who will be there of that group. So I'm going to go in um, alphabetical order here, and I'm sure Cameron will... uh, recognize 
some of these names as we go down. And again, it's only one per school is the most you can do. So uh, without further ado, here we are. This is the list of this group. From, uh, from Aikens High School is Caleb Stever. All right, so he's, he's the nominee from Aikens. From uh, Austin High, the uh, nominee is Hudson Mabless. So he is, he is the uh, honoree from uh, Austin High. Next uh, on the list is Cedar Park. From Cedar Park, the nominee is Brady Elford. Okay, uh, and then from Cedar Ridge, you may recognize this name. Julian Mesa is the nominee from Cedar Ridge. Now, and you said, well, what qualifies them? They have to be outstanding in two. Well, actually, there's three areas, and the way this is evaluated is is you have a good part of it is basically on what they did on the football field. Also, an equal amount is what they did in the classroom. And then there's a supplementary third part for what they might have done at their school or in their community, a community service and school thing. So, so it's extracurricular, it's football, and it's academic as well. From Eastview High School, Patrick Maxwell, one of the uh, scholar-athletes. From Elgin, uh, Justin Strong. Yep. Figured you'd know him. From Georgetown is uh, Tucker Griffin. I think we know him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Dripping Springs, it is Grayson Jones. From, let's see, I'm, I'm, I jumped out of my order. I want to make sure I jump back in here. Yeah. From Hendrickson, next on the list, Brian Ray. Hendrickson Hawk. From Hyde Park, the nominee is Bryce Benkendorfer. Bryce Benkendorfer from Hyde Park. And again, these are all scholar athletes who have been nominated and will be a part of the NFF banquet as well. From Hayes, the nominee is Christopher Bruce. From Bowie, the nomination is for Jake Cole. And again, these are uh, pulling these up as I read them here, this this list. From, I want to make sure I got this right here on who we're up to next, is from Lago Vista. It's Baron Colden from uh, Lago. From Lake Travis, the nominee is Lucas Casey Moore. From Leander, the nominee is Jaden Arnold. From Lehman, the nominee is Ethan Crum. From Liberty Hill, the nominee is Carlton Schrank. From Lockhart, the lion who is nominated is Sean McKinney. From Maynard, the nominee is David Jeffrey. All Flex nomination, I believe. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, from McCallum, the nominee is J.D. Jordan. From McNeil, I know you'll recognize this name, Cam, Aaron Crow. Yeah. Uh, 
from Northeast Early College. It is, let me make sure I got this right, Noah Fleming's. I had some, sometimes the, the, the sheet doesn't render right away, so I'm just making sure I'm done. And I'm looking at these. I just got the list. I'm looking at the, the list. From Pflugerville, it's Brett Arenado. From Regents, the nominee is Tyler Quo. From uh, Round Rock, a name that you probably will recognize, William Brown. Yeah. Um, Congrats to William. Yeah. Uh, from Rouse, the nominee is uh, Jace Mann. I think we know him well. Uh, from Stony Point, the nominee, Corey Thomas. From, and again, this is the combination of football player, outstanding football player, and uh, student and community service. So it's it's a combination of all those things. Um, from Vandegrift, didn't you guys have this young man on last night, Braden Buchanan? We did. Yeah. He's a nominee. Yeah. Uh, Braden Buchanan is uh, is the Vandegrift nominee. From Westwood, uh, it's, I think it's John Zybel. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And from Travis, making sure I read these properly, uh, Alex Cardosa. And from Wimberley, the nominee is Jack Boyle. Okay. Good so, Jack. yeah. So, um, uh, there it is. There's your, uh, uh, those names are the one, names of the student athletes who achieved on the football field, in the classroom, in community service and school service as well. All of those things. And as a result of that, that that group will be honored on Sunday at the National Football Foundation's uh, and College Hall of Fame annual banquet. It's a really cool deal because all of their names will actually be listed in an area where you can see it at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia. That's an awesome. Yeah. So it, it's great just to be part of that group, and they're all a part of that group. So that's the one from that. And those were – uh, those were the ones that was narrowed down to that. Of that group, there'll be some some additional scholarships handed out to them for outstanding achievement, and a scholarship committee decides that, and and uh, those uh, determinations will be made between now and uh, Sunday, and uh, those scholarship winners will be announced on Sunday as well. So there it is. Uh, just wanted to uh, congratulate those young men. All right, how about? Playoff baseball for this weekend. Yes, sir. So we spent some time in Round Rock and West. Like, you want to look at 5A and 4A? E- yes, absolutely. Okay. Let me plug those two games. So if you're interested in the Austin area, you can see two future Longhorns possible in the mound. Westlake, Chance Covert. They're taking on San Antonio Brandeis. First game tonight, 7 p.m. at Westlake. And then Round Rock and Reagan. Once again, a top 10 matchup between both schools, 7 p.m. at Concordia University. There's going to be some really good 5A and 4A baseball. Quick, last time we had Jordan Fierro, the Georgetown Eagles baseball coach on the show, Flex ATX podcast page. Uh, coach Fierro, Eagles reigning defending champions in 5A. And uh, they try again this tonight. a and consolidated. We first pitch 7 o'clock. That's a good 5A matchup for you. Uh, Cedar Park taking on Medina Valley. 
Medina, Medina, Medina Valley. Valley excuse yeah. me. Over there in Castroville, out west of San Antonio. 6 p.m. first pitch at Cedar Park. Uh, Rouse, a great baseball program. Alamo Heights, first game. Also at Concordia. That will be tomorrow at 6 p.m. Then game two at Concordia as well. That's a great baseball yeah. uh, facility. So that'll yeah, be, it is. That will be fun for those two schools. And then um, some other 5A matchups. Magnolia West, who has a really good uh, baseball program. I believe they're ranked seventh in the state. They're taking on Pflugerville, so a tough matchup for Pflugerville. But first game Friday at Eastview, 6 p.m. And then Elgin, we just mentioned Justin Strong, uh, also an, an all-flex guy. Congrats to the Strong family. Baseball-wise, Elgin, who finished second in Georgetown District. They're taking on Lake Belton. First game will be tonight at Lake Belton, 7 p.m. Game two tomorrow at Elgin. And then we mentioned Georgetown and Consolidated. How about Austin McCallum? They're still going strong. They're taking on Lake Creek tonight. It'll be at Mumford, which I have no idea where that's at, Craig. Don't know where Mumford is. Yeah. Mumford is one of those. Um, this is one of those anomalies. I talked about this a few months ago. When you have football playoff games, and they get in the playoffs, and the two coaches are deciding where they want to where they want to have the game. Uh, first and foremost, they got to find a facility that works for them. That the turf, whether it's field turf or natural grass, works. Got to be big enough for a lot of fans. And then the other consideration is it's got to be in an area uh, that is kind of halfway where they can get it. Uh, basketball, you just need a good-sized gym kind of mm-hmm, halfway yeah. into it. Baseball, you want to get a decent ballpark. You want to get one that if you get some rain, it'll you know, take care of it, whether it's uh, field turf or whatever, that you can get to it. Mumford is a unique place. Because it is literally out in the middle of nothing, and it's kind of between <laughs> it's kind of between Rockdale and College Station. Okay. Okay. It's on Farnham Market 50, uh, and and here's this school out in the middle of nowhere. Small classification school doesn't have football, but they have basketball and they have baseball, and there are basketball playoff games that are played in Mumford, and there are baseball. But it's a good baseball facility, yeah. so that's why it's a good. Have who's playing there at Mumford? Oh, uh, double check. Okay, well, McCallum and Lake Creek. Well, see, that makes sense. Montgomery Lake Creek. Yeah. So that's a good halfway point. As somebody points out, uh, says Mumford has one of the best baseball and softball stadiums in the area. It does. And, so. and with the rain coming in this week, Craig, there's a good chance that we're going to have some games postponed, possible doubleheaders on Saturday. Yeah. And you can't play on Sunday, of course, because of high school rules. So maybe some games may be wrapped up even Monday. So you're looking at spots that hopefully have artificial turf because there's a yeah. lot of great stadiums where they have natural grass. And yep. These storms coming in, who, who knows what's going to happen. If they, if they uh, absorb it well enough. MJ from Hearn said, who's playing over there? Because Hearn's not that far from yeah. it. It's McCallum and Montgomery Lake Creek. Yes. So there you go. And Lake Creek, by the way, is one of those programs that's really come on in recent years. It, it's it's uh, really uh, in all sports. It's a relatively new school and uh, in all sports. They had a good run. They've had a good run in football the last couple of years. Basketball and baseball, they've got a good program. So there it is. There's your Flex 30 update. All right, up next, we'll talk some Texas men's tennis with the number one seeded Longhorns as we'll visit with head coach Bruce Burke when we continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way with you here on this Thursday morning. Hope you're doing all right. You know the Texas men's tennis team is doing all right. Number one seed and uh, swept through their first and second round matches, which brings us to our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. And uh, with that, they won uh, 4-0 over Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Saturday. Came back on Sunday and won 4-0 over Pepperdine. So it's on to the round of 16 or as they like to say in basketball parlance, I guess you could say in tennis parlance as well, the Sweet 16. Texas hosting North Carolina and uh, uh, scheduled, and I will leave it at that for the moment, for the uh, Texas uh, Tennis Center. More on that coming up as we visit with head coach Bruce Burke, who joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Bruce, I appreciate the time. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, and I always appreciate the chance to be on and talk Texas tennis. Well, it's it's great to have you, and I know you, you're very pleased with what you've seen. You know, the layman might look at it and say, okay, uh, they they won the Big 12 Conference regular season title, went in as the number one seed. Uh, they won 4 nothing uh, over Corpus. They won 4 nothing over Pepperdine. They're on to the Sweet 16. Everything is just great and all this. I know coaches look at things a little differently, uh, schematically, pragmatically. Uh, it, w- would it be safe to say that your team has, report, uh, has performed very, very well, but you as a coach – and your student athletes, you're always looking at how you can be a little bit better, even though you didn't drop, uh, didn't drop one uh, d- during uh, your matches, uh, drop a set or drop a, a match to any of uh, the opponents for either A and M Corpus or Pepperdine. Yeah, I'd say that's absolutely safe to say. Um, a lot of times in these uh, postseason matches, you're playing to four points, and there's a total of seven points on the board. So sometimes a 4-0 can uh, look extremely dominant and be closer than the score would indicate. And we were down or even in a couple of the other remaining matches against Pepperdine, who's a very strong team. And uh, the depth in college tennis, especially on the men's side this year, is, is very high. So we know that any team, just about any team we play from this point on is cap- more than capable of beating us if they play well and we, and we don't show up. So we're leaving nothing to chance. And the biggest reason for our success this year is that our guys have treated every match the same and been ready to play. So uh, we're hoping to to do the same thing this week, but we know there's always, always little things we can do to improve. You and I have had this conversation before about, uh, and I hear coaches in any sport, football, basketball, baseball, uh, tennis, track and field, golf, whatever. I, I hear coaches say the best teams are the ones that are player led. So it sounds like what you're talking about is when you say that your guys have take it everything uh you know every match the same with the same amount of seriousness uh it would it, is is that a good way to describe that this, this is truly a player-led team even though you're the head coach and you've got a coaching staff but to have a player-led team is the best kind of team yeah absolutely i always have felt that and it seems like leadership qualities and having players having groups that are able to hold each other accountable or um not as common as they used to be, but we're definitely fortunate to have that kind of group this year, and they're an extremely close team. 
but they're not so close that they're afraid to be honest with each other. And I think that comes with experience too. Um, yeah, another way to put it is, you know, we I think we help them come up with the themes that they want to focus on each year, and they, they've done a good job of that. Um, but it's also really nice to see not only when players are buying into the message that the coaches are giving, but when they're also selling it to each other. That's that's fun for us, and that's when we can sit back and watch them lead and grow as um, as teammates and leaders, and then we can focus a little bit more on the X's and O's and trying to get them better technically and tactically so they can perform well. But I definitely feel like we are in that position this year. Visiting with Bruce Burke, Texas men's tennis coach here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Uh, it, it's easy for a lot of folks to, to gravitate uh, to seeing what your guys are doing in singles, but I, I'm always curious to get your thoughts on uh, on uh, your doubles and and who's you know the guys that uh, that that get the doubles points for you as well and, and because it's such a big it's such a big part of it earlier with the way things started out is it a real uh, tone setter for your guys? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is for all teams. You know, everyone wants to fight hard to win that doubles point and you know get an early lead in the match. And I always tell our guys we want to play like it's the most important point in the match and, and the most important thing that exists right now is trying to win that doubles point. But then when it's over, we have the opposite approach, win or lose. We say that's only one out of seven points. So, um, but it, it is nice to get ahead in the doubles. And I know that's one going to be one of the challenges this weekend because North Carolina doubles has always been a strength of theirs. And uh, I do think we're playing well and it's steadily improved in our doubles this year, but you know, it's going to be a big challenge against North Carolina. Would would it be safe to say also that uh, with a group like uh, Elliot Spazieri and, and Cleve Harper, you've got a doubles group that you feel is 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 good enough to knock off just about anybody? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cleve was an NCAA doubles champion last year with Richard Ciamara, who graduated, and uh, Elliot has been a top ten doubles player in the past with multiple partners, and you know he's a U.S. Open junior doubles champion. So they de- they definitely know what they're doing, and they're ranked three in the country for a reason. Uh, but doubles is a bit of a crapshoot these days because you only play one set and it's no ad scoring. So the margins are super thin and North Carolina in particular is well coached in doubles and they've got a lot of big servers and that can be a big difference maker. We don't have a lot of overwhelming power in, in servers on, on our three doubles teams. We do, we do fine in that department. Um, so we need to really rely on our energy and our discipline um, with our tactics to get the job done. And so I think it's going to be an interesting matchup in doubles. Uh, in, in jumping to your single singles, obviously, I guess it, it, it only makes sense to start with Elliot with, with what he's uh, been able to do for you and uh, it, him and uh, Nevin Air Millie as well. Both of those guys, I guess, make make a big, big difference for you with what, what they've been doing uh, on the court uh, for you. And uh, and then also, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on CM Waldy and, and what he's done and the progress he's made. I know you mentioned him at some point and how far he's come as a player as well, a young man from California, and, and what he's done and the, and the progress that he's made over his time at UT. Yeah, for sure. CM's an extremely good athlete, and he kind of made his mark pretty early in his freshman year and had some really good wins and had some pretty big moments. Um, you know, since then, he's had some flashes of brilliance and then some low moments, too, on the court and struggled with, um, you know, some off-court challenges also. Uh, last year was probably his worst of his first three seasons, I guess. Um, 
this year, and it really started after last season, he really dedicated himself in the summer to trying to uh, mature as a, you know, as a as a guy who goes about his craft and appreciates the opportunities he has every day. Um, and he's really done that. And so he's been very much more consistent this year with his daily approach and also with taking care of his body. And, and we've seen the results on the court. You know, he's been much more consistent in his play. And when he's going right, we, that's a massive strength for us because he's got a different kind of game. He takes the ball super early and comes to net a lot. He's quick for a guy who's about almost 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's super quick. He moves well. And he's very aggressive in taking the ball early. So, um, And when he's, when he's right, he's emotionally like a fire plug. I'd say him and Cleve Harper, you know, can really – give us a big boost emotionally on the court. So CM's been a major reason for the success we've had this year, and he's won some big matches. Another guy, uh, Bruce, that that I've been kind of fascinated with seeing how he's had to turn things back around uh, is is your sophomore Pierre E. Bailey. When uh, here here's a guy who had to miss the entire fall due to injury, and and then come back and really jump back into it and do it and do a good job. And it looks like he's recovered nicely and and really just worked hard. He has. He's a very hard. We've got a team full of hard workers, but Pierre is definitely one of them. Um, he came in as an international student from Belgium in January of last year, which is really not easy to do. It's it's because you're jumping right into the dual match season, and when you're coming from another country, you really most most often have no idea what this is all about, and so it's a whole different kind of pressure uh, because guys typically aren't used to playing for a team. But I thought he did really well last year. He had some big wins for us. Um, and then he struggled with an injury on his wrist late last year, like many of our guys did, and couldn't really play throughout the whole summer. And in the fall, he didn't really play. He started practicing midway through the fall, and, uh, yeah, he's had a really good season. I think he's won eight of his last ten matches, and he's had a few big ones. He clinched our Big 12 regular season championship against a really good player from TCU, um, and he's had some, uh, some big wins. He also clinched our win over – Ohio State at the National Indoors when when they were number one in the country. So yeah, he's he's definitely dedicated himself like many of our guys have, and he's on a good path, a good trend right now. I, I, this is going to sound little, uh, yeah, go ahead. yeah. I started to say this uh, this is going to sound like a little bit of uh, 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 an unusual type of question, I guess. But for a layman, and we just got through talking about Pierre, he had uh, his match unfinished. Uh, also, Elliot had his. Ziri uh, had a match unfinished. Uh, Armilly uh, had his match unfinished because y- your your group just wrapped it all up. And uh, in his uh, Spaziri's match had moved to a third set, and Pierre's match uh, was trailing when play stopped. Uh, Armilly's match was trailing when play stopped. When that happens, but the, it's all about the team first, and they, and, you, and you've talked about it. What do you? What are the conversations like with you with guys who might have been trailing in the match, but the time it ends up being uh, moot at the end because the team finished the job and did it? About what it's like going into the next thing, what their mindset is like when they come off a match that didn't get finished, but they were trailing at the time, and and what their approach is when they come off a match and get ready for the next one. Yeah, it really depends on the circumstances of the match and how they were playing at the time. You know, tennis is a weird team sport because there are team themes that we have each day and there are general things you can observe about how a team competes and it helps each other during the matches that we address as a team. But after each match, win or lose, um, good play or bad play, 
you know, the coaches are having individual conversations with each player in each position, really. We've got nine matches going on in each dual match, and each one can have a completely separate identity. So we really need to break down what's happened specifically in each match. I think the guys are, at this time of year, the number one focus is on the team, so everyone's happy that we won. But then we do need to have a conversation with each player um, to see where they were, to see where they can do better for the next match, and then also if they played well, then to make sure they understand what they were doing well and, and how they can stay focused on the next one. So it's a lot of individual conversations. Um, in this case, uh, you know, Elliot, I think they were all fine. Maybe a little frustration if they were if they were trailing, and and uh, sometimes that even helps them. You know, I think someone like Pierre helps them when he doesn't perform up to his capability. And I know he doesn't think he did in this last match. Um, that kind of fuels him a little bit for the next one. You know, he gets pretty determined because nobody wants to let down their team. And uh, and I think in some ways he felt like he he did in that match. And I would predict that he's going to be ready to put a great effort out in this next one. That's exactly where I was going with that, about the motivation that came. Okay, uh, give folks an idea. You mentioned a little bit about North Carolina and how historically they've done well in doubles. What kinds of challenges do the Tar Heels present for your team? Well, a couple of things. One, they're they're always good. You know, they're well coached and they've they've been a perennial top of the ACC team. And it wasn't too long ago that they reached the finals of NCAA. So we know they're a good program. Uh, they have three lefties in their lineup, which is a little unusual. So we don't have any lefties on our team. So it's that's a little bit of a challenge because typically if we have a guy that's getting ready to play a lefty, then we'll have them practice with the lefty on our team. But we don't have that opportunity this year. Uh, so they have three lefties. Uh, they have some really big servers on the team, which is especially help for the, helpful for them in doubles. And, uh, you know, should our match have to go indoors, I think they typically play very good tennis indoors. And we're fine indoors. We reached the finals of the national indoors. But um, I think that would be a strength of theirs is playing indoors. So those are the, you know, aside from just being a good team and a good competitive team, they've got some lefties that we don't often see. And they've got some big servers on the team that, play well especially indoors so we're hoping weather cooperates and we can play this match outside but if not we'll be road tripping at the Steiner Ranch and and welcoming whoever uh, can make the trip. Uh, Bruce that's what I was going to mention next is uh, that the flexibility that your guys need to have in case the weather doesn't cooperate and we we've all seen the forecast for what could happen uh, this weekend and uh, we could get some heavy rain at, at what point uh, does the NCAA, or in consultation uh, with you and, and others, make that point? I mean, is it all about looking at forecasts? Is it is it uh, rain, steady rain going on? Uh, what what's been the, the your experience with how far they go in NCAA tournament play before they decide? Okay, there's an indoor option. We're going to shuttle over. We're going to go out to Steiner Ranch and and play this indoors like you said you had to do it uh in before and then i know there's been uh, other matches men's and women's in the past in the ncaa tournament that had to shift indoor as well what's the mindset on uh when the decision or how they go about the decision to deciding other than just what the forecast might be about when you decide we've got to take this inside well their priority is definitely to try to play the match outside if at all possible um if you have an indoor backup which we do that you're not allowed to push it to the next day to play it outside. So this match is going to be played on Saturday regardless. Um, so other than that, they're going to be looking at are the courts wet or dry and what the forecast is. I guess the other factor is that they have two matches to play uh, at this site because the women are playing too. So um, perhaps 
for our match, they could have waited a little bit longer if there was just one match to play. Um, but really, if there's a window in the day, um, they could ma- they could potentially even move the matches earlier if they thought that would help. I don't think that's going to help. Um, so how long they're going to wait, it's really dependent on the circumstance. But um, if it's hopeless, you know, the, they won't wait very long at all. If it's raining and it's the forecast is for rain all day, pretty heavy chance, then they're, they're going to just move them in. But if there's a potential of a window to get the match outside, then they're going to wait. So I can't really give you a simple answer for that, but I could just tell you the priorities to play outside. And then before a decision is made here, they have to be in consultation with the people at the NCAA to make sure that, you know, there's every reasonable effort to play the match outside. It is uh, scheduled for outside of the Texas Tennis Center, Saturday, 3 o'clock, Texas against North Carolina in the NCAA round of 16. Bruce, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, best of luck to you this weekend, and uh, let's look forward to a visit on down the road for Nationals. All right, I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank you, Bruce. All right, that's Bruce Burke, Texas tennis coach, and uh, the uh, Texas men in action. And, again, if they have to move it, to indoors, they'll go out to Steiner Ranch. But I think he made the good point in saying that there is always going to be every possible effort made to play the match outside if the weather cooperates. And, you know, it's that same thing is, you know, what could be affecting the women's tennis match, obviously. Longhorn baseball now scheduled against San Jose State. They have a 2.30 first pitch on Saturday. So there's um, – you know, there's a lot to be contested out there. Baseball does not have that option that uh, that uh, tennis has about being able to move it indoors. It, at least with baseball, it is a non-conference series. So if they wound up having to shorten the series, uh, you know, the, it, at least it's not damaging in terms of what the the conference considerations are. You hope you can play it all, but uh, we all know the forecast is rather ominous uh, for the weekend. So, and and that's why, Cameron. You mentioned with uh, several high school baseball playoff series beginning tonight. That's a good thing, tonight, when you can still play. Yeah, tonight for sure can get in, but for Texas baseball, Craig, it's looking a little ominous this yeah, weekend. I know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first game tomorrow night, scheduled for 6.30, Saturday, 2.30, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, they're having to make changes with the Big 12 softball tournament. Texas was to have played. Texas Tech at 3 o'clock this afternoon. That has now been shifted up, moved up, to 1230 uh, there in Oklahoma City at Hall of Fame Stadium. And coming up next hour at the bottom of the hour, we'll uh, check in live with Andrew Haynes there at uh, at the Hall of Fame Stadium in Oklahoma City and get his thoughts on uh, how it looks and Texas softball getting ready. So we'll do that uh, coming up next hour. Also in between time, Glenn Davis, host of Soccer Matters here on the Horn and, of course, uh, uh, outstanding national and international soccer broadcaster will join us early in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, so uh, with regard to baseball, D Fry online asking, does a cancellation this weekend help or hurt our RPI? I don't think it hurts. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily helps. I think Texas is 24 in the RPI. Uh, David Pierce made a good point about this the other night after the win over UTA. It talked about at the time, I think, San Jose State might have been 133 in the RPI. If you're inside of 150 and you play a team whose RPI is inside of 150 and you beat them, you might not help yourself that much, but you certainly don't hurt. So you can hurt yourself if you're playing somebody in the 300s or the uh, or the upper 200s. You can really hurt your RPI even if you win. 
especially at home. But that won't be the case if you're playing a team like that, uh, say 133 or whatever in the RPI, as long as you win. Now, if you lose, it can hurt you. But if the games are canceled, I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. I, I don't think it'll hurt them at all. It may not help them much, but I don't, I don't think much will happen out of that. Uh, to the texter, Ashley, cut uh, the song that just played, always here during the baseball broadcast as well. That is um, Dark Star by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, their version. Um, Cam uh, asked me if I wanted that version or the Grateful Dead version there, uh, but I've always liked the CSNY version. I should have known because that's, that's a, a rejoin on some Texas baseball games. So I should have known mm-hmm. when I asked that it would have been CSN. I asked you if you were a deadhead. You said not really. Not really. No, I, I'm not a I'm not a deadhead at all. I don't I don't dislike their music. There's some that I some that I do like. They, you know, I've never been crazy about. It. And some of their stuff does wind up say as being in classic rock or yacht rock, and that's pretty much been uh, my drift on music. But uh, but no, I don't I, I don't dislike Grateful Dead, but I just happen to like the. CSN version better, the Crosby Still Snatch. Uh, somebody asked, does the game in Mumford, is it that series, does that start tonight? We're getting a lot of questions about Mumford here, you know, uh, uh, Cam. Folks want to know about Mumford. Can they get over there? Um, and that this was uh, MJ from Hernsey who was playing in Mumford, and when he said, I missed it, it was uh, McCallum and G- Montgomery Lake Creek. Yeah, all three games will be at Mumford starting today at 4.30. So game one at 4.30 today, 4.30 tomorrow, and then game three, if necessary, 11 a.m. So, yes, you can get out and watch it at Mumford today. See, MJ from Hearn. Get out there. Take that far in the market road back through Blackjack and cut across. You can probably get over there pretty easy, I, I would imagine. Uh, so, uh, and uh, so there we go. Uh, and uh, somebody asked, are there any games at San Marcos Stadium? I guess maybe they mean – Bobcat Ballpark. I, I didn't see any listed. No listed, but San Marcos is playing uh, Lake Travis this week. They'll be playing at Dripping Springs, however. Okay, so that's out at Drip. Uh, somebody pointed out the Hall of Fame defensive tackle, uh, John Rand- Randall, is from Mumford. He played at Hearn. Okay. But he was from Mumford because, like I said, there's no football over there. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. All right. Up next, it is inconceivable when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. You know, uh, one of our very loyal listeners and texters finds it absolutely inconceivable, Cam, that we can run down the playoff schedule and not mention those Taylor Dogs. Yeah. Because they're playing the Robinson Rockets, who are perennially very strong. Peyton Powell, being from uh, Robinson, played on there. In fact, uh, Tom Barfield and I call Peyton Powell's final high school game a playoff series between Robinson and Sweeney a few years back when he was a catcher for the team. But um, you did a little checking. So game one is tonight? Yes. Correct? Against Hutto. In Hutto. Hutto. Against Robinson at Hutto. Right. So the Taylor-Robinson series begins tonight with game one in Hutto. And then game two. At Waco High. At Waco High. Okay. All right. And game three would be back at Hutto time TBD. Okay. All right. So there you go. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm getting a, a text also. I'd send it out there. Waco ISD Athletic Complex from what I'm hearing from our Good friend Tom Barfield letting us know there. So uh, there it is. 
He said, y'all are just going to keep not showing Taylor some love. No, no, we're showing the Ducks some love there. So there it is tonight in Hutto. So in other words, what they're doing is neutral sites, neutral homes, mm-hmm. neutral homes, because Hutto just down Highway 79 from Taylor. And, of course, in the wake of ISD, just up the road from Robinson. So there it would be. Does it say where a game three would be played, if necessary? At Hutto. Okay, they'd go back to Hutto for game yeah, three on Saturday. Time is TVD. Yeah, okay. And, and then, of course, with the... You know, with the weather being what it is, yeah, uh, that could be inconceivable. But for the moment, we go to inconceivable. Uh, start off with um, some. Uh, we always like to mention some food stuff. Um, are you a Waffle House guy? Do you like Waffle House? Oh yeah, yeah. There's only a couple in this area. There's the one out by the airport and the one there off 290. I've never been the one here. My rule is Waffle House. It's kind of just. Don't go to Waffle House unless you're in the South. Is, is okay. my rule. Started in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, they're all throughout the South uh, there. It's like I don't go to Bojangles in Florida. It's, I'm not <laughs> okay. going to go to Waffle House in Texas. Well, Bojangles is a Charlotte operation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it really is. Uh, anyway, there's uh, a couple that went to Waffle House, and they had the money to pay their check, but they kind of offered... You know, we hear that, you know, if you don't have the money to pay your tab, you have to wash dishes. What if we wanted to wash dishes instead of paying our tab? We have the money. What if we wanted to wash? And uh, this particular uh, Waffle House, they said, okay, you can do it. <laughs> no way. So there's a TikTok video of a couple washing and stacking dishes. And she says, I swear, Waffle House workers are some of the most laid back people. Her name is Victoria. And the text overlay in the video is when you don't want to pay your tab, so you ask the manager if you can do the dishes and clean the restaurant. So it's uh, now a viral clip. So, yeah, there it is. It, it uh, happened at uh, the Waffle House location in Missouri. So, uh, uh, by the way, Missouri ranks 29th on a list ranking the most stressed states. So maybe there's some stress yeah, going on at the, at the Waffle House. So uh, they offered to do it. They said, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, uh, it, since we're we're talking about shopping and paying for things, um, there's a, this is another TikTok video uh, where a woman is urging people to make sure to check your receipts before you leave a store, any store. In her case, it was a Walmart in Shreveport, Louisiana. And she works in uh, a digital creator who works in health and wellness, uploaded a video to TikTok claiming she was charged $150 for two bananas at a Walmart Shreveport. And she showed a receipt to support the story. She said, please check your receipts before you leave the store. So she said, how does that happen? She, she paid, there was 27 items she purchased, and it totaled $316.54 when she checked out of the Walmart last Saturday. I walked all the way out of the store to my car, almost to my car, and I'm saying, I wonder what I paid. I didn't even look, and I'm like, why is this so high? I didn't hardly buy anything. So she kept looking and saw the bananas were $150. I feel like you would look at the price before you check yeah, out, right? That's you? what I do. You're you're looking at it on the on the on the yeah. readout, right? To see watching what... it go up and go up. It's like the jump from thirty two dollars to a to what's it three hundred and twenty because it's one hundred and fifty dollars each for a banana. I feel like that would maybe set some alarms going yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Your mind. It would draw your attention. Like somebody a TikTok commenter wrote, 
Uh, it must be nice not to have to look at the total. <laughs> I always be biting my nails, praying I have enough. Same. So anyway, she got refunded off of it. She walked back in and said, hey, I know bananas are good, but, you know, hey, come on, 150 no, we're not. You can't do that. Inflation's really getting out of hand. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's got to it's got to be. Uh, okay, uh, you may have heard a story about a year ago uh, about a woman who uh, uh, from Texas who had a bag loss from Allegiant Airlines. Who hasn't flown Allegiant at one point and had that happen to them? But why are you checking bags on Allegiant Frontier Spirit? There that's you that's go. my first question. Well, and here's the other thing. Not only did she lose her bag, it had a waterproof prosthetic leg in it while she was flying to San Diego. The oh, woman's boy. bag was later found at an airport in Provo, Utah with somebody else's name on. Well, it's happened again. Happened in St. Louis. Uh, he was flying American. Uh, he was flying from Indianapolis to Charlotte on his way home to St. Louis. And he said, I had a special made leg. I put it in my suitcase. I put the sticker on it that says fragile. I gave it to the young lady at American Airlines when I was checking in. When I get to the St. Louis airport, they roll me downstairs to baggage claim. I'm sitting there waiting for my luggage to come off. It never comes off. He followed all the American Airlines delayed or damaged baggage protocols, verified what was missing, submitted a claim. He eventually received a reimbursement check for a little more than $600. Uh, the leg cost $26,000. So he's hired an attorney to negotiate on his behalf. Uh, and he said, this is, it's a problem. He said, anybody that's had a prosthetic leg understands what I'm saying. When I say, when you find the one that works, that's the one you want to hold on to. So, yeah. If you're traveling, Craig, and this is advice for everybody, get those Apple tracker things that you can put into your luggage, put it in. And that way, if you lose it, you know where it's at. Yeah. You can track where it is. Uh, Fran Frischella was telling me about it, how he had done that yep. and found his in LaGuardia. Uh, finally, we got a couple animal stories. Did you see? Uh, you, you're a dog person, right? Yeah. Uh, did you see you won Best in Show at Westminster? Uh, I heard Chad talk about it in the crap bag. Okay. All right. It's a petite Bassett Griffon. Okay. All right. It, it, what I thought was really cool is his name is Buddy Holly. Okay. So, nice. uh, so, so he, he won. So uh, that happened. He was Best in Show at that. And then finally, um, you know, I would say where else but Oklahoma, but somebody could say Florida, whatever. But this particular story, uh, police officers in Oklahoma rushed to a scene of a person crying for help. And they were looking, and they were looking, and they couldn't find the individual officers, David Sneed and Neil Story. This is in Enid, Oklahoma. Initially received a report from a concerned member of the public that someone could be heard yelling for help in the area. So upon arriving on the scene, the officers heard the faint cries of someone yelling in the distance. I think it's a person. There's a person, said Officer David Sneed. began running toward a distinct yell for help. And they realized as they got over to find the person in distress was actually a goat. (laughs) A very upset goat. The farmer who belonged to later said he had been separated from one of his friends. He was really upset and was separated from his kind and that, and the goat was crying for help. He said, sure enough, said one of the officers, we were walking over here and I'm like, that's a person. Even from a long distance, it sounds like help, help, you know, that help. 
there, there's a Gerald and a goat joke in there somewhere that Jeff Howe would make. That yeah, I, it's a good I, thing he's not here. I wouldn't make. Good Just thing he's not that. here today. All right. Uh, uh, always Enid. Always Enid, Oklahoma. It, it's a, thank you, gentlemen. Your swift actions are appreciated by all. So the Enid Police Department, all in all, you really can't say it was based uh, that bad of a call is what <laughs> they actually tweeted out there. Upset goat. Goat's okay now. All right. It's first hour of the program. Coming up, we'll visit with Glenn Davis, host of Soccer Matters, and an old friend. We'll have a couple of stories to share. Also, we'll check in, find out if things are on schedule for that Big 12 softball tournament for Texas. They're supposed to play at 12.30 this afternoon, which you can hear on 105.3 The Bat, beginning at 12.15. Andrew Haynes will join us coming up around the bottom of the hour to talk about it as well. That's next when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and hornfm.com.